Coming up on Cults in the Cavalcade, host Brandon and Cullen discuss the 1986 youthful spy thriller Never Too Young to Die, which stars John Stamos, Vanity, and Gene Simmons of the rock and roll band Kiss. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Who knows what you'll find? You may like it or not. But all that you find, boy, is all that you got. Starcrow, flying like you never flown. Starcrow, running through a danger zone. Starcrow, are you gonna stand alone? Starcrow, Starcrow. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 101. This is Brandon, and as always with me is your co-host of Grove, Cullen. I don't care what anyone says, Stargrove does not sound like a name. <laughs> Today we are here to discuss the 1986 film, Never Too Young to Die. Cullen, give us the plot, Grove. A top secret agent is murdered, so his estranged son, a high school gymnast, teams up with his dad's attractive female partner to stop the psychopathic gang leader who killed him and now plans a major terrorist attack. Cause you're never too young, you're never too young to die. You're never too young, you're never too young to die. Never Too Young to Die is directed by Gil Bettman and stars John Stamos, Vanity, Gene Simmons, Robert England, and George Lazenby. Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade as we are back at square one again. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our 100th episode celebrations by loving and basking in a whole new movie by Neil Breen and also enjoying memories of ourselves. If you liked that episode, great. We had a fun recording it. If not, fuck off, <laughs> and, but keep listening. That's more or less the motto of the show. To be fair. Fuck off, but keep listening. Yes. That's <laughs> called Cinema Cavalcade. We're, we're on to the next one, which is Never Too Young to Die, which is a movie that's been on my radar for a while, but Cullen, you'd seen it before, and you recommended we get off the ground running with this one. Uh, yeah. As soon as I watched it, I texted you and said, we're doing this. <laughs> I think you'd, like, you'd already considered, like, we're going to do it, but after I had seen it, I decided... It needed to be sooner rather than later that we have never too young to die on the show. Let's be honest, overdue to have John Stamos on our show. Yeah. How have we not had Stamos on here? This movie, it's a little almost forgotten relic from uh, 1986. And if you have some form of streaming capabilities, it's on so many free services everywhere like it's ridiculous like we watched it on amazon prime but it's on like tubi tv it's on shout factory tv and many other places that you can find it i mean you can pay for a rental on it but i I don't know why you would when it's streaming free so many other places and it's on a shout factory blu-ray release too i don't know much about like why this movie was made or what was behind it but i i know where people were in their careers at this time Cullen, do you know anything about how this project got off the ground at all? Well, usually, you know, we like to do research. Um, I didn't do that this time. There's no reason for it. I just didn't. I failed you, but the rest of the show will be good, (laughs) I I, I promise. Well, I'm I'm saying because I didn't didn't find much. It appears that they were trying to start some James Bond Jr. type movies or series. And, you know, John Stamos at this time... He was a hot up-and-coming actor. He was on known for General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd won an Emmy playing a role there. He was a drummer in the Beach Boys. He had two failed uh, sitcoms that he had at this time. He had one called Dreams with Jamie Gertz and another called You Again, same year as this film with Jack Klugman. It would be the next year after Never Too Young to Die that he got full house. So right when things were looking grim, because this movie was a huge bomb, and then he got a show canceled, another canceled show, he found full house. So it came at like the perfect time for him. And uh, so, yeah, he was obviously a young kid that 
put in a role, see what he does. Yeah, man, Jack Klugman and Vanity in the same year. What a sexy 365 days he went through, huh? Woo! Right, right. And she was an item already. I mean, she had just done The Last Dragon the year before. She was doing a 52 pickup with uh, Roy Scheider this year. Uh, she she was in Terror Train, which to me, that's a big deal, but I know no one. Yeah. The general public probably didn't give a shit. Uh, a, but she was a pops. Here's a question. Was she ever in a successful movie? <laughs> Last Dragon was pretty successful. Action Jackson. But she was mainly, it was her her ties to Prince and then her music career mm-hmm. uh, was somewhat successful. And modeling stuff but she did a lot of she ended up doing a lot of tv work following the 80s mm-hmm. she was a, you know she was a mainly a product of the 80s that had a career through the 90s but she kind of disappeared but i think she had some drug and rehab issues and stuff and i think she was found some sort of faith or something and was just you know kept to herself for many years and then she died a couple of years ago like it was weird like her and prince's deaths were like same causes you know mm-hmm. prior you know cocaine usage on the body it was just like a month apart from each other it was crazy because he you know she was his thing she brought he brought her into fame uh let her away and you know she had a film career through the 80s you know because why not and she has some you know she has some cult items that we look back on now not sure if it was like a big run for her then but she was there and our, our boy gene simmons same year as this had Trick or Treat. <laughs> He's in this movie. So he had both of these, and he was coming off that Tom Selleck movie, Runaway, that sci-fi movie that's prime for someday occult cinema cavalcade. Right. It's been requested before even a couple times. We'll get to it, assholes. We got to Never Too Young to Die first, right? Yeah. Fuck you. Enjoy the show. Yeah, fuck you. Keep listening. You know, he had that. They had this director was supposed to do it was, he did a bunch of Chuck Norris movies, like Lone Wolf McQuaid and stuff, but he didn't end up doing it instead they got a guy gil bettman who was all tv but i mean he did the fall guy bj and the bear knight rider and auto man are like his most notable shows they did i think he did an episode of the twilight zone that came back in the 80s as well okay so but it was action stuff it was like he was like directing like 30 something Right, yeah, no, not 30-something. So it was action-based television, which this movie does have that television feel, but it's like a hair more maybe that's on budget or something. Mm-hmm. A music video director is what I thought he was going to be. But I th- this might have been before he, that was really a thing, probably. He he did direct a, a Sammy Hagar concert video <laughs> after this. Well, I mean, that's easy. You just point the camera at the Red Rooster, and you just let him go. The Red Rocker, <laughs> not the Red Rooster. Red Rooster. That's uh, what I call him. Uh, <laughs> We're pals. Robert yeah, Robert England shows up a little bit in this. This was between Elm Street 2 and Elm Street 3, so he was definitely part of a big thing and a, a nice little get for like probably a couple days to shoot. The script has like five people on it, and of course, Lorenzo Semple Jr. is on it. He's If you see movies that have, like, multiple writers on it. It's, like, five-something. His name will pop up there. Uh, He's got spy cred because he's one of, like, five guys writing on Never Say Never Again a couple years before this movie. And, you know, he also was one of the writers on the Flash Gordon from the 80s. If you look back at his career, he's touched a lot of known projects, but you'll you'll look at him, too, and they're always, like, five writers. So he's probably, like, some touch-up guy. So, like, of the uh, projects you've done, I, I... I, I question how many of them were, you know, good. From what, like you, from what you mentioned, right, it's like, right. oh, God. But the, the, maybe the, the prime, the guy that went on to have the biggest career from this movie was the guy credited with the screenplay, uh, Mr. Stephen Paul, uh, writer of the classic franchise and director of some of, like, uh, the Super Babies, Baby Geniuses franchise. Like, uh. everything, everything with those movies. All him, and not just like characters by, story by, screenplay director. He's he just went knee deep in the baby geniuses. Well, now at least I know who to hunt down. So thank you, Brandon. His address will be posted following the episode. <laughs> and if you don't like that and think we're rude for that, fuck off. Keep listening. So yeah, so that's a little bit about where everyone was at this time. A uh, guy, one of the goons in here was the. He's mainly a stuntman, but he was like Lorenzo Lamas' buddy on Renegade, that show That's that ran on USA for. Uh huh. And if you remember, uh, he was one of the clowns with the pink for the penguin in Batman Returns as well. And I, if you think, you'll be like, oh, I know which clown he was. But yeah, he was yeah the partner on Renegade, <laughs> which I'm glad we both go. 
we know what Renegade was. Uh, <laughs> well, the first time you said Lorenzo, I hope you're, it was going to be followed by Llama. So you don't, you can't imagine how happy I was when you actually said this name. <laughs> I, I do share my birthday with Lorenzo Llamas. Fun fact. <laughs> I'm sure that was a pickup line for you for many years. Huh. You've been with the Renegade baby. <laughs> Oh my. Do you want to touch my duster? It's fine. Go ahead. Get me Stargrove! I want Stargrove! Let's dig into this, uh... Star Grove, uh, one and done adventure. I mean, even Special Agent Flint had two adventures, but Star Grove. <laughs> so somewhere near the Diablo Canyon, uh, a local entertainer named Velvet Von Ragnar boasts of his plan to poison the local water supply and demand a ransom to his post-apocalyptic biker mutant followers. <laughs> The plan is unable to commence as someone inside the gang has taken an important disc from them. And then there's a woman brought before him on like a rack and he kills her with his long fingernail. Well, he pulls off his earring, noticing some emblem, kills her with his fingernail and demands someone bring him Stargrove. <laughs> this is our first genre of the movie, the post-apocalyptic genre. And then it seems like Gene Simmons, like, is it just me or does he give up a real strong trauma villain vibe? He is. I mean, and he's kind of filmed in that way sometimes. He gets those wild close-ups with his mouth coming out. And, yeah, he's, he, he'd fit in trauma. He'd fit there. But he is, I'll tell you what, he is giving his all on both sides, like, of him. Mm-hmm. Like, he is, he's in this. Like, he's, he believes in this project. And he apparently is totally Im- hates this movie. He's like, man, people have told him that they like it. He's like, you saw that piece of shit? Like, Gene, you've done so many bad things in your life. It's okay to be proud of some things. Spoiler alert, I enjoyed him in this movie. For better or for worse, I didn't think he was a problem. I think there were some unusual choices made, but overall I thought he was right. fine. Now, the the woman they bring before him, they rip her shirt off or whatever, and do you know that this isn't the first time we've seen her forced into a situation had her shirt ripped off before? Oh, no. What other movie have we watched her in where she's been vi- attacked? <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. She was the mom in the uh, movie, in the early stuff when the Santa kills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the mom on the street that Santa rips her top off. Uh, it's not. Uh, I don't know if that's what you want you, as a calling card for your career, but w- whatever. If it gets you work well, and you're happy, that, that scene in Silent Night Deadly Night was like a, used as a flashback in like the next three or four Silent Night Deadly Night movies too. Like that scene was used, so that kind of is, I guess, her calling card. <laughs> okay, so they yells out for Stargrove, and uh, we enter Lance Stargrove, a gymnastics athlete at. Well, at the time I wrote Dunbar University or Academy, which is apparently a high school, specializing in trampoline jumping <laughs> to his own theme song and and cheating at chemistry. <laughs> he has an absent father who he believes works for oil companies and a roommate that seems to specialize in spy gadgetry and violent weaponry and showing off a bugging device in a piece of chewing gum. Oh, yeah. Now, his... Friend is a terrorist. I mean, this guy's got explosives in their room, which, by the way, should be a dorm room, right? I mean, there's no... I didn't buy for a second it was uh, high school. He's like the brother from Better Off Dead gone to college. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what's funny? The, the roommate, Cliff, do you know who he is? He looks familiar, but I can't place him. Later on this same year, he's one of those badass Raiden dudes in Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, he is. But here he's a goofy, nerdy, douchey guy. Yeah, yeah, he was... What a 180. Wow, that's fantastic. That's why I couldn't place him. It bothered the hell out of me. And also, we we mentioned that there's multiple genres in this uh, movie. As soon as we see Stargrove at Gymnast University... It looks like a after-school special, doesn't it? Yep. 
Yeah, no, it totally does. Totally does. And I thought when he yelled Stargrove and had that rather young woman that he kills, I thought, like, oh, he's like a super spy at school, and this is the Stargrove we're talking about, but we're not talking about him. Like, that woman was attached to his father. I'm like, oh, they just killed Stamos' girlfriend. Nope. As a newbie to this movie, that's what I thought was going on, but no. Well, it makes sense. I mean, he's obviously the lead. It just seems, makes total sense that he would be after him. And also, I don't know, it's, it's already supposed to be like, hey, it's a you know young guy. He's also a super spy. So you just figure it's just happening. I didn't expect this to be Lance Stargrove's origin story. And who'd have thought they'd remake Jim Cotta just a year after <laughs> it came out in theaters? <laughs> yeah, no, there's some strong Jim Cotta in this movie. <laughs> there absolutely is because this guy has absolutely no training and yet later in the movie he's f- using his gymnastics to fight off and his father is off on some weird mission thing that he goes searching for <laughs> like i was like this is jim Cotto like, with known actors yes th- they're just not entering the game at Diablo Canyon Dam on Parents' Day, Drew Stargrove, played by James Bond actor George Lazenby, and his team, they're on a mission, and then one of his own men, Carruthers, turns on the crew and gets away. Like, he knocks one of them out, and he, and he attempts to get Drew Stargrove shooting him in the leg. As the remaining members attempt to complete the mission, they're ambushed by Ragnar's mutants, Drew Stargrove gives an honorable fight, taking out a lot of dudes, but ultimately is captured and taken to Ragnar, who believes he has the stolen disc. He threatens Lance's life, but Stargrove uses the opportunity to make one last attack and attempt to escape before being shot dead by Ragnar. There's just so much going on here that I'm just trying to think. I didn't know what the mission was when they started it. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I'm like, what? what's the mission? It's three guys like, inside what? a dam in fatigues. Like, okay, what? What? And then it doesn't help that, what's his name? Crossgrove? I don't know what that, with the Carruthers? Carruthers, thank you. He. You mean Gene Simmons <laughs> in in a ginger beard and wig with glasses? It It's like whoever did the makeup was like, all right, what we want is Chuck Norris, but we want Gene Simmons to kind of look like Chuck Norris. Like, as soon as you see him, you just think, who, what's wrong like, with looks this like person? Gene Simmons. I was like, that looks like Gene Simmons with a beard and a wig and glasses. Like, the whole movie, I was like, like, right from when I saw him, I'm like, that looks like Gene Simmons. I I I didn't think it was Gene Simmons. I knew there was something wrong with him. I couldn't tell what it was, because human faces don't look like that. They're not all lumpy like his were. So Ragnar has a base that's inside the dam? Is that what we're supposed to believe? And then outside's like his death arena? I guess. I don't know. I mean, it must be his base because like you said, his lackeys are there that come running up like grunting monkeys for some reason. I legitimately, I heard the sounds of them and I swear to God, the next thing I expected was an army of monkeys trying to attack George Lazenby. But no, it's just a bunch of dirty people with sloppy clothes. And they must multiply with water because he takes out, like, so many of them. Yeah, well, that's why they're at the dam. George Lazenby and John Stamos share zero scenes together in this movie. The only thing they shared was the day they went and took a picture together (laughs) to put on his, like into frames for the background of movies. Well, their characters seem to have a psychic link or something because as George Lazenby is going through oh, yeah. you know, the, this dam, John Stamos has a constant look of, I'm concerned on his face. Yeah, yeah, because he has a gymnastics meet the same day that his father is supposed to show up. And as his father is getting his wound bandaged from getting shot, John Stamos is wrapping tape around his arm. And, 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 and then, I know it's just like an effect to make it look like neat. F- I mean, it could be just an effect, but it's just the way yeah. the look on his face. He seems troubled the whole time he's doing it. Yeah, like something bad's going on here. And then, of course, when his father dies, he m- screws up and lands on his mat. I, 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 I love... think that he might already be a mutant. I don't think he needs whatever Gene Simmons is going to do <laughs> to the people. Right. I, I love that when the gymnastics meet starts, Cliff, the roommate, like everybody's just sitting there like they're watching like some sort of orchestra or something, some philharmonic, and like he gets up and he's like, Go get him, Lance. <laughs> 
You get him, Lance. And he like stands up and he points like leaning over a guy. I, I thought that was funny. At Drew Stargrove's men's only funeral, Lance does take note of a notable upset lone woman in the distance who is Donja Deering. And he talks with his father's lawyer. Afterward, Lance is told of his inheritance, including a farm, which Lance doesn't know of. Lance doesn't believe the cover story of his father's death or that he worked for an oil company. We then go to said farm with Donja horse riding at the farm, and she's confronted by a couple of Ragnar's men in the barn. Though she is able to grab an automatic rifle from a secret compartment, she's cornered by them, and he says, Fork over some Ram Cave, bitch. We would tenderize your butt. What? The disc. The disc. Give me the disc. Fuck you, warp face. Maybe we warp you first. Then we get the disc. Lance wanders in and distracts them, and then she blows up the barn with the bad guys inside. <laughs> Tenderize your butt. Oh, my God. Like, this this movie, it never gets to, but it really wants to violate vanity. Yes, Like, there are yes. multiple situations where it's like, oh, no. Oh, okay. And I'm honestly relieved that she, like, like kicks their asses most of the time, yes. too. And, like... And the only reason that she is saved is because a guy stumbles and, hey, what's going on here? And then she's able to <laughs> yeah. beat the hell out of those guys. Yeah. I do love you mentioned the all-male funeral for, for Druid Stargirl. Like eight guys. Yes. Eight guys In the maybe just a little concerned about who's going to pick up the hours at the office <laughs> now that he's gone. Like, that's about it. It was probably a small funeral because none of them wanted to come to the Nightmare on Elm Street Cemetery. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was this, like almost the same one. It was, it was shot exactly the same. Like that super, super bright blue sky with the palm trees and... It's a little hazy, you know? Do you think Robert Englund's on the set? They hadn't shot those yet? He's like, oh, I know a great place you guys can go save a couple bucks. (laughs) I want to believe that the directors saw the other Nightmare on Elm Street movies and said, like, you know what? That's how you shoot a funeral scene. Why am I fighting it? The only thing missing (laughs) is, like, someone coming out of the coffin and talking to someone and them waking up. Well, it's funny. Lance isn't even near the burial site. Oh, and yeah. they're still giving, like, the, the sermon or whatever, and he's, like, way off. When you figure that with Vanity would be closer to the funeral, too. You know, she has a relationship yeah. with him. And, and by the way, how hot was Vanity at that funeral? I've never seen any, like, oh, she, she's an attractive woman. There's there's no, you know, denying that, but she was especially the hottest person I've ever seen at a funeral. <laughs> Like, even grieving yeah. your smoking hot, like, she had like, that big hat on, like, usually, like, oh, you know, hats at a funeral, who cares? But I don't know, there was something about the angle or something, it was like, you are sexy and mysterious, funeral lady. Vanity, if you have ne- if you don't know who Vanity is, if you've never seen a movie with Vanity, we did, this, we did talk about, uh, we guessed it on another show, we talked about The Last Dragon, so if you guys were wondering why... We've never covered it on this show. Well, it might be a while because we talked about another show. But she was in that. But she was just, I mean, she's got all-time good looks. Like, just draw. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were in her presence, you probably were hard. It was probably hard to stand up. I'm just, <laughs> I'm not saying because you got, like, an erection. You're just, like, weak in the knee. Just, like, wow. She just seems to command. Like, I get why they tried to push her in movies and stuff because she can make a movie just by, like, wow. She walked in a yeah. room. She commands it. Yeah. She's got that power, like. Yeah, she was never in, like, really big movies. She was just at this tier, like, lower, mid-level movies. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. don't know why she couldn't move past it. After the barn blowing up that night, Donja reveals to Lance who his father really was, and she promises that she's determined to find out what really happened to him. And then Crothers shows up at the farmhouse. He's there to exchange information with Donja, and she tells him that Ragnar is behind it. All of it. And he's reappeared, and he was apparently was in hiding, but now he's reappeared, and he's doing a dragged act at a bar called The Incinerator. So this is a person that is a known criminal, and he has doing an act. Why doesn't anyone arrest him? Why isn't anyone? <laughs> like, he's he's like the leader of a hate group. I don't know. How is he allowed to just, like, have a show? How is he not under yeah. constant surveillance? He's reappeared. Are just these bikers just... Too hard for like a military operation to like I don't I, I I don't I don't know and and also is this where we learn that Ragnar's a hermaphrodite I don't uh yes we haven't oh no we we saw at the beginning okay 
Because it was just we, cause you, the, the way that Carruthers yeah. says hermaphrodite, it's just so casual. Like, like Ragnar, the hermaphrodite? Why would you throw that in, first of all? second To get off his scent, you yeah, know? But, but, but <laughs> also, how many people are named Ragnar? Yes, of course, the hermaphrodite, you idiot. Velvet Von Ragnar did that. <laughs> Velvet Von Ragnar. The names. Can we talk about the names in this movie? Lance. Yeah. Stargrove. Lance Stargrove. It sounds like a... It's one of those names from Space Mutiny. Yes, Lance Stargrove. You're right. I was going to say like like an 80s like action cartoon, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Expect him to come bursting through a wall. Like Lance Stargrove and his new Mission Command vehicle. Yeah, some of the most badass names are just almost like... Because they were like, right, like James Bond. That's not over the top. That's not crazy. That's just sounds cool together. And the way they sold it to us was cool as hell. John McClane, mm-hmm. that's a regular name. But when you get like Stargrove, like, okay, you're trying way too hard here. Like, if this was a science fiction movie, <laughs> I might give that to you. Yeah, I know. Like, is he a super spy in space? Yes. I might give it to you. Uh, no, not here. And Vel- Velvet Von Ragnar, is that right? Yeah, Velvet Von Ragnar. <sighs> Don Jadeering. There's a person named uh, Pyramid. <laughs> uh, Are we sure we're not watching like a knockoff comic book movie? Right. <sighs> so Donja gets fancy to go to the incinerator and tells Lance to stay, but he follows her, of course. And then he installs the bugging device gum on her bumper. Uh, Inside, Ragnar performs. Can you guess what I am? Do you believe what you see? Yeah! So what'll it be? How about a lube job? Ooh, I think I'm falling in love. If the grease is for you, honey, I'm buying. Excuse me. Can I cut in here, please? Must you? What'll it be? A Bloody Mary. And a cigar. Treat him good, bitch, or I'll rip your eyes out. Donja reveals that's who killed his father. Could you imagine? <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's. Were they, like, sleeping together? Like, what was my father into? <laughs> yeah. Why is the, the person with boas and, like, I mean, he didn't have a lit up, but he had pasties on, didn't he? Yeah. It's like, why is, mm-hmm. what, how did my dad get wrapped up with, like, what, like, how many secrets did my dad have? <laughs> and also, I love this bar. It's what a 10-year-old thinks oh, a biker bar would be. <laughs> right, yeah, like, just driving bikes up and down the stairs in yeah, it. Yeah, well, they literally drive the bikes up to the bar to get drinks. <laughs> And okay, when Ragnar is performing, and there's a shot of like him on the stage, and you can see the crowd mm-hmm. off the stage. Did you look at the bottom left-hand corner? Did you see the like theme park mom with like a Mickey Mouse sweater, <gasps> like going fucking nuts? No glasses on. No. Oh my gosh, I died. I died. I wanted to take a screen cap and post it on our social media, <laughs> but I was like, I can't yet. We have to wait till the movie. We've talked about the movie, but I was like, oh, my God. And she was going nuts. She's like, Woo! Well, Thunder from <laughs> Down Under was sold out. So right. <laughs> she made her way into this back alley biker mm-hmm. club to see Hermaphrodite dance. And well, he doesn't even sing. He just kind of gives a speech or something. He gives like a yeah. dance speech. And those, I guess the lyrics in that song wound up in later years into some Kiss song. Of course. Like some of those lyrics did, yeah. Well, it sounds like you didn't hate it that much, Gene Simmons, you (laughs) jerk. Lance and Donja, they wind up in an argument over what kind of guy his father was, and Donja leaves. Lance then, after the show, goes backstage to pose as a fan and plant a stick of chewing gum in Ragnar's dressing room. Ragnar isn't fooled, but he plays into Lance's game. Uh, immediately finding the bug after he leaves. And outside, Lance is bullied off of his dirt bike by some drunk, and the guy starts his bike, and it blows up! Thank goodness that drunk thief was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Otherwise, it'd be a real short movie. 
Yes, and, and the scene, I love the scene. Uh, you know, they're he's trying to play off like he's some fan. And he goes to get the autograph, and he has. He's like, "Could you? I'll go sign it for you." And then John Stamos walks over to a corner, and then he goes, "Stargirl." <laughs> Who should I make the sound to? To Bill. To Bill. Ooh. I know you from someplace. Hmm? I don't think so. Oh, I know I do. I'd never forget those eyes. What they do to my spine. <laughs> Sweetheart, would you mind getting me the ink that's on the table over there? Sure. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Stargrove! I'm sorry, should that name mean something to me? My mistake, Billy. Autograph? And I'd be like, dude, how do you even know that's a name? <laughs> yeah. Like, you just gave yourself up. I know. That's like, exactly what I thought when I heard You and I it. argued, that's not a fucking name. But, like, apparently in this world, that's like Smith or something. <sighs> yeah, no. As soon as, he, <laughs> as soon as he said that you're right, like, you gave a, you showed your hand. You clearly <laughs> are in cahoots within this Cause, team. Because he does good by not, like, like reacting to it. And he, like, smoothly turns around and goes, is that name supposed to mean something no. to you? It's like, you dumbass. No, the correct reaction is, what the fuck's a <laughs> Yes. Or, do you need a tissue? Yeah. Do you have Tourette's? Or, do you have a head injury of some sort? Just any kind of neurological issue is what I'm guessing. And how do you chew that gum without busting the bug inside? Because the gum is not, like, already oh. gooeyed up. You have to chew it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I'd also like to know how a high schooler has access to this kind of equipment and technology to build this. <laughs> Lance borrows his roommate's bike because there's an abundant. Everybody has like eight dirt bikes to themselves in this movie. He borrows his roommate's dirt bike to track Donja, who's on a mission from Carruthers. They wind up getting attacked by two of Ragnar's men on motorcycles with medieval axes. Uh, Donja pulls a magnum out, shoots both of them. After Donja tells Lance that because of how grateful she is for what his father did for her family, she owes it to him to keep Lance safe. Ragnar's men then lay a line of spikes in the road and blow Donja's tires and kidnap them. And I want to mention, a bugging device, just you can hear what's going on. It's not a tracking device. Well, yeah, that, so that's we, what was weird. Like, like, when he put the gum in the the. Uh, the officer, whatever, I thought, like, well, you already know where he is. Like, what do you, what is this? It, it, it is weird. It's not like he said, like, I've got, like, spearmint is tracking and then wintergreen is for bugs. Like, that would have been cool. That would have been fine. And, but no, it's just all the same stuff. So it is kind of, that is kind of lame, unfortunately. But, eh, you know, whatever. Everyone makes mistakes. There's, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of good stuff to this point. So I guess we just have to kind of, I don't know, let, let it go. But, uh, they also do the Christmas vacation car under the yes! truck like thing on this. And which is extra great because the truck driver is drunk. He's drinking vodka. <laughs> it's like, like, isn't there enough going on in this scene? Aren't the stakes high enough? Does he have to be drunk as well? And also, they, they, they go through this whole thing, right? Uh, of, uh, you know, they, they kill these guys and all that. And she gets out from under the... the uh, the truck and you know John Stamos and Vanity meet and his reaction is like oh boy um let's get going it should be is your heart racing he's never done this before (laughs) right yeah he's like oh this is cool and this crazy high speed chase guys with like battle axes swinging at him yeah (laughs) yeah like I just saw you shoot like with like a 45 magnum at at two guys and one of them went under the truck and he he got rolled under the truck those guys are dead now. Yes, exactly. In less than 24 hours, I saw a guy get blown up on my bike and then two shot down dead. Yesterday, I- Oh, let alone guys get blown up in a barn. Maybe he is getting numb to this. Yesterday, I had wrestlers trying to insult my masculinity. Today, I saw people die. <laughs> I'm in high oh, school. So- <laughs> high school, guys. Oh, Vanity, you can do better than just hanging around high school, guys. Lance awakes at the farmhouse where he's immediately attacked by two goons wanting to know where the disc is. After getting thrown into some shelves, seeing a cracked frame of he and his father and their family emblem, 
Lance jumps to action and fights the two goons with impressive skill, unleashing his inner Stargrove, getting the location on Donja from one of them. As the guys run off, he shoots at him with a shotgun and says... And he's like so proud to say that line. It doesn't come out right at all. No. And he's just. Uh, I, I love that he sees the pick of his dad. He hulks up and then uses Gymkata. <laughs> yes, he does. And this is after having the shit beat out of his head in oh, yeah. a sink. Like they are. Like it looks. <clears throat> Almost realistic. Like, I'm like, oh, that looks painful. Yeah, I've never seen that before, where they just grab someone's head and just slam their face back and forth through broken dishes in the sink. It's like, holy, like, I literally said, holy shit, when I watched it. I did not expect to see yeah, that. And it's it's repeatedly, it's repeatedly, it's like, damn. It goes on for a while. It's like, oh, like, crap, like, just being able to take that much punishment, like, Stargrove's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and by the way, this movie says Stargrove so many times in the movie. Batman doesn't say Batman in it as many times as they say Stargrove in this movie. Yeah, you're never normalizing Stargrove. So. <laughs> no, no. While getting dressed later on, Lance drops the family emblem on the floor where it rolls and finds a slot in the wood and it fits and opens up an underground layer and then Lance is looking through file cabinets when a suspicious dirt biker pulls into the house with a weapon. And it turns out, after a scuffle, it's his roommate, Cliff, who came to help. And then Cliff says he's got the disc and is keeping it in his bike and tells Lance what's on it. And I, at this point, both times watching the movie, I'm like, did I miss where they had the disc? <laughs> Uh yeah, I no 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 no. Well yeah, is it in the it was it in the goodies his dad sent at the beginning of the movie? Yes, that's where it is. Okay. They don't do it like uh, a better thing to do would have been to show Cliff going through the snacks and then going, hmm, what's this? Instead, he just shows up. He's like, oh yeah, uh, I was eating all your dad's food and I uh, uh, found it immediately. And instead of you know leaving it, I looked at it. <laughs> what a dick! But he know yeah he knows they uh. Ragnar's plan. While Robert England, as Riley, reports to Ragnar their plan of attack, the guys from the farmhouse report back, and Ragnar slit one of them's neck with his nail. Ew. And uh, then Danja, she's in some factory or whatever. They called it a jail, but it looks like a like heat factory. <laughs> um, and bad guys are attempting to incinerate her. Stargrove and Cliff show up for the rescue. Cliff brought his weapon, which proves effective, and they rescue Danja before she's burned to death and ward off a lot of bikers to make their escape. They then report back to the lawyer guy and Carruthers at some base meeting place, and Carruthers suggests they set a trap for Ragnar with Lance and Danja as the bait. So when they're having this meeting, there's a giant glowing wall behind, mm -hmm. I don't know, the commander or whoever's in charge. And when I saw that, I thought, who would want that in their office? Why would you <laughs> want a wall that is, it's literally the entire wall, it's just glowing white. How is that not a blinding, eye-straining thing? And it's facing whoever's face, like, it's, it's you know, it's whoever's office is, it's behind them, so it won't strain their eyes as much, but whoever's, like, looking at them, like, how could you... Like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta go uh, have a meeting over at, at John's office. Oh, you mean the the Room of Light? Yeah, I hate it. I better go get my sunglasses. That's not to burn my retinas out. I gotta work the rest of the day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was like the, all the conference rooms have been requested and they were using an interrogation room. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know. It's like a first draft room for RoboCop. It's where it looks like it belongs. Right, yes. And, I, and I'm sitting here doing the scene. They, they do close-ups, and I'm like, yep, that's Gene Simmons. <laughs> and to me again it was just like do you have like the mumps or something? like what is wrong with your face lance and donja are set up at a house while Carruthers. you know what i haven't even said stargrove as much as they do in this movie i keep calling him lance. <laughs> yeah you're right so lance and donja are set at a at some house while Carruthers and men watch from afar including cliff the roommate because well, yeah, let's take the kid on a mission. Lance suspects Carruthers is a traitor, but this will lead them to Ragnar 
and that's what he wants. Danja tries to jump Lance's bones, but he rejects her, thinking it's fake emotions. Danja then does everything she can to be impossible to refuse, despite just being vanity. Lance drinks Perrier. He, uh, he, as he watches her, he eats an apple, and he eats another one before finally giving in, and he grabs her, and they have sex with instant replays and bed slamming. They finish, but then are interrupted when Ragnar's men, dressed as military guys, break in, force them into camouflage military outfits, and place two doubles at the house while Cliff is knocked out and the bike is stolen that contains the disc. And on their helicopter ride, Carruthers reveals himself as Ragnar! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and Ragnar! <laughs> This stuff at the house feels like another movie. It goes on for a while, too. And it just feels really just so we're just hanging out here. And I love that when so she like starts like rubbing tanning. She like first gets into her little bikini. And she starts, you know, rubbing herself with with lotion or whatever, mm-hmm. and sun tanning. And then she takes off her top, and then she then she starts hosing herself down, which I don't know what the point is, but thank you. <laughs> and Stamos during this time he, he like leaves, and he comes back out and he's drinking Perrier, and then he comes he leaves again. He comes back out and he's eating an apple, and then he comes back out again. And he's eating another <laughs> apple, and I love that they make it a point to show that he's just tossing the trash on the floor of this deck. Oh, yeah. Like, there was a shot where it's just like, wait, pick it up, asshole. You're going back in the house. Rude. Like, it's just trash. But then, yeah, well, he can't resist. And also, like, this this whole time, this whole seduction thing, it's all taking place outside. Just stay inside, stupid. If you don't want to be seduced, is there not a TV yeah. inside? There's no books. Do anything else other than look at her mostly naked body, you dumb dumb. And, and it's weird to see like handsome man John Stamos, un- Stamos unsure if he has a chance. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, if there would be someone, I guess it would be Vanity, I guess. But still, it's just it is still ridiculous. It is, but it's like these are these are two sexy people. I mean, they just look at each other and go, "Well, we we probably just should." Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't think we have a choice. We're too gorgeous not to screw. Yeah, and it, and, and that sex scene absolutely a Cinemax film, right? That oh, so yeah. looks like a Cinemax mm-hmm. movie. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, the reveal of I love the doubles that oh yeah <laughs> they put the one that looks nothing like Vanity at all. Like the Stamos guy, I'm like. Maybe if you're like miles and miles and miles away, but the van anyone, I'm like, no one's buying that. <laughs> but they buy it. It's a white woman in uh, a black wig. Well, and then Gene Simmons, like when he turns to reveal, it's like that's just ridiculous. It's so just over the top, and like when that happened, and it's like, what? Like, why is this the reveal? Why is it like that? Like, what is? It's it's too much. <sighs> And like he's got his eyes rolled back in his head, and he's just laughing. Like, why are you? Uh, the laugh that he does, it sounds like he's auditioning yeah, for no, the it Joker. Does. It is uh, the Gene Simmons Joker. At the rally point we saw in the opening, Stargrove and Donjar are brought before Ragnar, who tosses pills to his minions in the crowd. Uh, Stargrove calls Ragnar's followers victims of a tough society. Thanks, high school kid. Ragnar has acquired the disc. Stargrove taunts Ragnar's number one to taking him in a duel, and Lance ends up winning by taking an automatic from someone in the crowd and mowing dudes down as a helicopter with the good guys shows up and begins firing at the fleeing bikers. Well, remember, he used Jimkata to get that gun. He absolutely did. He backflipped into him or to get that gun to shoot at that mm-hmm. He-Man villain or whatever that guy is. Jimkata was just a movie. Never Too Young to Die was when it became a genre. Inside the dam, Ragnar has Riley set the plan in motion. It's controlled by a suitcase remote control thing using the famous disc. Stargrove is on his heels as Ragnar makes off with a semi-truck. Lance chases on a bike as Donja gets to a helicopter to follow, and Cliff gives her the fire blaster as she boards. 
Ragnar arrives at the dam and begins the countdown. Stargrove catches, but Ragnar knocks him off his his bike and sends it crashing down below. They fight, and Lance tries to force Ragnar to deprogram the detonator, to which he says he can't, and stabs him with his big fingernail. Above in the helicopter, Danja can't get a clear shot at Ragnar, who tosses Stargrove over the rail, where he hangs for dear life, but then Lance tricks Ragnar by telling him he's beautiful, to which he tries to tongue him? But Lance stabs him with his own in the neck with his own nail and throws him over the dam with a brutal fall. Lance can't stop the detonator, so Danja tosses him the fire blaster, which fires a dud. So he tosses them both in the air so they collide and explode, stopping the mechanism from doing whatever it was going to do. <laughs> I poison the so they water can have ransom with something. Yeah. Like, what I, are you assholes yes, going to drink? I don't know. <laughs> Piss? I mean, I don't know. Like, they'd probably be into yeah. it. They're those gross po- post-apocalyptic people in 1986. Uh, like, you, <laughs> it should also be noted that during the fight between Ragnar and Lance Stargrove, <laughs> which is a very amusing <laughs> sentence, that uh, one of Ragnar's oh, boobs yeah, like, falls out or something. It, yeah, and so, <laughs> so our hero partially stops our uh, villain by biting him right in the tit. Like, just full on, like, <laughs> like leaning his head forward, just biting his nip. And you just hear, just, like, what does it add to the movie that he's a hermaphrodite? I don't no, get it. I don't understand. It's just so they are, it's, it's only uh, because they're like, what if there's this, like, double agent, but we have to have him played by the same guy? We got to make him look drastically different. I guess, but it's just, I don't know. It's, I, I can't tell if it's insulting to hermaphrodites or empowering to hermaphrodites that, that what this <laughs> character is. I mean, he's not paid by a hermaphrodite, you know, obviously, but still, it's just, just a very bizarre character, period. I have to say, how stupid are you? And he's like, oh, you're beautiful. He's like, oh, let's get a tongue. Like, no, what the... <laughs> The person you're trying to def- the, the person that's trying to defeat you is literally hanging off a dam, and all you probably have to do is walk away. Instead, like, oh well, no, yeah, I'll kiss you. No, you sex freak, calm down. Eyes on the prize, dumbass. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a title drop. Uh, oh, we forgot, we forgot yes, to mention that. To mention that. We absolutely ama- yes. Yes. That during that fight scene between Gene Simmons and Stargrove. <laughs> you see, you can do nasty things, and they don't come back to you. <laughs> so you see, you're never too young to die. Like, like the only thing... It- only way it could have been better is if he looked in, into the camera and said, you're never too young to die. Oh, it was so good. And what I can't believe is there's a song called Never Too Young to Die, and it's not the main song of the film. No, they, the Stargrove song is. Stargrove, and then they use that love one a couple times. Mm. That close to you, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, that title drop. Brilliant. And then when he, when he, uh, destroys it he like throws the suitcase up first and then like waits a while like i feel like the suitcase would have hit oh yeah absolutely there's, like too much delay it, it reminds me of a uh, hard ticket to hawaii yeah. when the blow up dog you know explodes in the air it has that kind of delay of wait what oh man explosion yeah oh lance starcrove is commended by the superiors but wants nothing to do with that life he and Cliff take a <clears throat> car and leave saying bye to Donja. <laughs> However, he's not a complete fucking idiot, so they turn around and come back and pick her up as the one military guy is quite amused with it all. And as they're driving off, Donja asks if he ever went and checked Ragnar's body to make sure he was dead. And Lance says, Donja, as the credits roll, which that body was fucking dead. I saw that. I mean, it was a, it was a dummy, but that <laughs> hit a rock hard before oh, going yes. in the water. <laughs> Like, it was brutal. I was like, damn! Oh, yeah. Like, you almost expected a limb to fly off when it hit that first Like, they should have packed that thing with blood, and there would have been, like, a nice splatter there. <laughs> that would have been amazing. And there's no way, yeah, if it was an actual person, it would have just been a... Sp- he would have been missed. The way that thing hit that rock. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, that's that's the end. That's our our first and only Stargrove adventure. I have a question for you. Okay, let's hear it. Like, what kind of agent was Drew Stargrove? Was he like low rent? Yeah, what organiz- like, He fought bikers in like this isn't James Bond stuff. <laughs> It like wants to be yeah, James Bond stuff, but this is like low rent, like hitman stuff. Yeah, and we're not entirely sure what organization he works with, right? No, they like, don't even say uh, government. I don't... They never say anything. Yeah, for all we know, these are just a like this could be a militia. We don't know. <laughs> and do we know what we we never know what he did for Vanity's family? He just, I guess, she's grateful. That's about it. Well, like I thought that maybe like that Drew and Vanity had a romantic relationship is what I thought, maybe? I mean, it's never really made 100% No, no, they tried clear. to know. They tried to make it clear they didn't. They tried. The movie makes oh, it clear okay. they did I guess I missed that. I thought that she just was super into people car- called Stargrove. She, she she likes him old. She likes him young. She dislikes him Stargrove. He makes many mentions to that possibility, but, yeah, they... They, they, she tells them what's really up every time. So th- uh, I am positive that they just got George uh, Blazenby because they couldn't get Roger Moore. They, they couldn't get him. I, they, they went down the line. They're like, Sean Connery, nope. Roger yeah. Moore, nope. George Blazenby, yep. Get him off the couch. Get him in here. Yeah. Let's get Blazenby in front of the camera. It's funny because he had just a couple years before, he was in, there was a, there's a TV reunion movie for the man from Uncle, and he did a cameo as James Bond in it, and uh, and he had just done that, which is yeah. So he was on his his well, nostalgia trip of like, oh, we could get a James Bond in here for cheap. Yeah. Well, what's great is the, you know, they obviously had him in there because he's James Bond. Mm-hmm. But how many people would watch that and go, "Oh, look, it's one of the guys that played James Bond." They don't fucking know. <laughs> it's exactly. it was one movie, Especially and no one the remembers it. You're going for with this, the younger trying to go. Yeah, for like it's the dad that brought the kid to the theater is gonna go. Huh? That's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there's something for dad. Like, no, no one cares. No one cares about George Lazenby. He could just had some old guy. Would have been fine. Right. Save or your money. Like, a, like a, a notable actor rather than. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I don't. He was, you know, that guy that did James Bond once, but at the time for. I don't think kids. Like, Roger Moore was James Bond then. And then, you know, yeah. everybody. Anyone that gave Connery up a James Bond. On TV. Like. Yeah, anyone that gave up a James Bond vibe would have been fine. You could have saved some money. Well, I mean, no, I guess. No, I. It, if you got a notable actor, you probably would have had to pay more than getting George Lazenby. So I guess it probably was the right choice to get a James <laughs> Bond. Well, and you know what? George Lazenby at the time probably was more known by like, appearance recognition than his name. It was probably because we're like, what was that yeah. guy's name that was James Bond only once? We all know now because we're more in tune. We have more you know, knowledge, stuff around us. Uh, piece of trivia, mm-hmm. but like then have been like, what's that? Like, many people would have gone, what's that guy's name who was just James Bond one time? They basically have a trivial pursuit answer in their movie. That's it, yeah, that's what they did. Yes! You got it, a woman, you beast, you savage. You really are like a woman, aren't you? I am a woman and a man. <laughs> Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched as we are cults in a cavalcade. Keep things nice and culty. Our ratings are as follows. Stay with your family, which means you are Drew Stargrove. You're kind of old. You're only James Bond once and done. And you're just kind of eh. Converted, which means you're Lance Stargrove. You're possibly the hot new thing. You're kind of you're kind of fine. You're good looking. You're good. Or drinking the Kool-Aid. One word. Vanity. So, Cullen, how do you rate Never Too Young to Die? This movie is more entertaining than it has any right to be the the hodgepodge of genres i'm not even going to say that they work all together they just don't not work together it's a spy movie for for i don't even want to say for kids because it's not spy kids but it's definitely trying to appeal to a younger demographic so that's i don't know it's neat certainly different than most of the stuff we've done on the show which is a nice change and it's also just nice to see john stamos in something that i enjoy watching as opposed to Full House. So I'm going to say I absolutely drink the Kool-Aid on Never Too Young to Die. Uh, There's explosions, there's vanity, and a title drop. I mean, this, it has everything going for it. 
Brandon, how do you write Never Too Young to Guy? Well, Vanity gets it converted, so it starts there. So where do we go from there? It's Yeah, this movie's wacky and weird, and it has John Stamos, <laughs> which I can't stress how just crazy that is. I don't know what works and what doesn't, what goes. It, it's This is just sheer entertainment, and it never really drags too much either. The only part that probably really drags is the the moments and build up to the, like the sex scene, but there's some good vanity stuff going on there. Gene Simmons is out of his mind here, and I love it. It's got a stupid like master of disguise reveal that is I pinpointed from like opening moments. It's oddly just got George Lazenby in it. It's just it's strange. It's funny. It's bizarre. The movie you started with is not the movie that ended, and so all these people in it. I I don't. I'm just jumbly, but you know, I watched this twice and it went by really fast both times. So I'm gonna drink the Kool-Aid on it because it's this is this is something to go check out. This is a little known thing. It does have a little fan base, but I, I think it's it's still pretty culty. And it's available on like any free st- streaming service that you could find. Check it out. It's it's just wild. Definitely, definitely check it out. And if you like Jim Cotta, well, this is a little bit Watch the it's, good it's more colorful than Jim Cotta. Doesn't have quite as good a trailer, but it's got a good trailer too. But yeah, no, I, I drink the Kool-Aid on Never Too Young to Die. Bizarre Encounters. Call and hear real people as they come face to face with. Bizarre Encounters. Are they from next door or are they from... If you only make one phone call in your life, make it to Bizarre Encounters. $2 first minute, 45 cents additional minutes. If you're under 18, get your parents' permission to call. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're getting into the spirit and finally doing an event movie episode. So, yes, when it happens, we'll be discussing Endgame, the 1983 Joseph D'Amato post-apocalyptic movie, right? <laughs> Right, that's yeah, that that's what uh that, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Endgame. It's a big movie everybody's looking forward to. We looked it up, we found it, we're like, oh crap, it's on Amazon. There's all this chatter about Endgame, so we decided, you know what? Why not? I mean, why doesn't anyone I mean it's available now, right? right? I don't so know. why don't you I don't, just watch it we're now? We're gonna have to watch it beforehand. I know everybody's planning on getting together uh on like the twenty fifth and watching it all together or something. Maybe they're doing like a live tweeting event. Yeah. But we're gonna watch it beforehand do an episode on it. So Yeah. For sap. Just watch it now, yeah, you saps. Watch it now. You can watch it more than once if you want. But yeah, we're gonna be doing an end game on Cult Cinema Cavalcade. It's something you guys probably wanted. We're wondering when we do something that everybody was looking forward to. Here it is. So next time on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, two weeks you get endgame. We're doing it. All right. So as always, Colin and I appreciate your listens and support for the show in any way you may do it. Uh, even if you're a non-listener and just liking stuff, so that I don't know why we'd be thanking you if you're not even hearing us, but you're appreciated. And we hope you keep on coming back. And if if not, and you got some problems, well, fuck off. But keep listening. Uh, we look forward to next time, but first, stay tuned for the trailer to Endgame, the trailer that actually trails.
Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Stargrove! I'm sorry, should that name mean something to me?